0: I'll have what she's having.
1: I love relationships. I love romantic comedies. I love love.
0: We don't know what Cinderella looked like because she's not real.
1: Yes, they freaking got it. Really earn that happily ever after at the end.
0: Change the writing. It's not that hard.
1: Hello, all you hopeful romantics, and welcome to another episode of What She's Having, presented by Meet Cute, where a glass of rosé isn't required, but it is certainly encouraged. I'm your host, Ashley Eskew, and my guest today, oh, it's such a treat, I really just adore him. It is Mike Manning. You might know Mike from the real world DC. He's also been in Hawaii 5 Love is All You Need, Teen Wolf. He's an actor and producer, and he just won an Emmy Award for his performance as Caleb McKinnon, where he made a very special announcement, which we'll talk about a little later in the episode. Mike is just the definition of thoughtful heart and... Truly, just the longer I talked to him, the more and more I adored him. It is my pleasure to present to you all Mike Manning. Thank you so much for being with me today, Mike Manning. It's such a pleasure to meet you.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: You're an actor, an ex-prom king, a political activist, an LGBTQ advocate. You're every one of my favorite leading men tropes we've come to love rolled into one. So I'm so excited to have you there.
0: Wow, thank you for the intro. I need to bring you everywhere I go.
1: I'm I'm free on Tuesdays. (laughs) There you
0: go. Okay, Tuesday.
1: With that all in mind, what is your personal relationship to romantic
0: comedies? Um, Deep down, I'm a hopeless romantic. I always have been. Uh, I was the kid, you know, eight years old, sitting watching the Disney movie, believing that every single thing that happened in that movie was possible. And, and I've sort of grown up that way. I'm a kid trapped in an adult body. And, you know, I love romantic comedies for the escapism, but also for the reminder that life is beautiful and life is wonderful. And, you know, there are so many so many good things around us in the world if we just stop and take the time to look at them. And also that love is just such a powerful thing. You know, you can have somebody that finds love and it changes their entire life. And and I'm a firm believer in that. Whether it's romantic or whether it's, you know, like friendship or family or otherwise, love is one of those things that just holds us together as humans. And And romantic comedies, good romantic comedies, capture that.
1: I agree with you. And these rom-coms and these Disney films, like you said, love is not just a through line. It tends to be magical in a lot of instances. I want to get to our rom-coms, but since you brought up Disney, what was your go-to Disney film that you would watch over and over again and imagine yourself being that role?
0: All of them. I, I was obsessed with Disney. My brother and I would watch like Aladdin or Hercules or, you know, those types of films. But then when my sister was growing up, with her, I would watch... Uh, Cinderella and Snow White and the classics and then Beauty and the Beast we watched a hundred times so so I feel like I've I've run the gamut uh, and then now I have uh, my brother had a kid so I have a niece and with her I watch Finding Nemo and Moana uh, I'm a Disney I'm a Disney freak and I used to actually work at Disney in college I did an internship where I was Buzz Lightyear and like, Pluto and and some of the characters
1: in the park
0: in the park in in Orlando, Florida in the Magic Kingdom. And it was one of the my, the best times of my life. And so I I've always kind of been a Disney freak. My brother and I would dance around and grab a carpet and be on the magic carpet and like and the genie and had that lamp. And so it's just it's fun to like remember those times to be around a young person that watches those stories and falls in love with those stories and like believes that they're happening to them in that moment
1: I always have this reaction that's like I am so jealous you're getting to feel the beauty of this for the first time and Mm -hmm. also like another one bites the dust here we go Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. and also just like it's a reminder of that time in your life where that's all that mattered that that escapism and that fantasy world and that childlike wonder was all that mattered to you and sort of before we become adults and, and have all these other priorities. And I think that that's one of the main reasons that I became an actor is because I fell in love with that escapism. And even today, like when I go on set and I get to play pretend with a bunch of adults and we're all getting paid to play pretend and to, and to be in a different world. And, you know, whether it's a rom-com or a horror or a drama or whatever it is, it's like I'm getting paid to play pretend as if I were a kid. And, uh, and that's, I mean, that's the best job there is, in my opinion.
1: I think you're right. <laughs> so let's dive in. What's your favorite all-time romantic comedy?
0: Um, I would have to, I think it's a tie. I think I would have to say one of the classics that you can always go back to, and I just, I think it's so simple, but it's such a wonderful movie, is uh, Pretty Woman with Richard Gere and Julia Roberts. Because you just watch that. And and Richard Gere plays like the reluctant leading man that you know doesn't care about love, but he meets this girl, and then Julia Roberts. I, I know that this wasn't like the first thing she did in her career. You know, this came later on, but she just has this like youthful glow, excitement about her, and her smile lights up the screen every single scene she's in. And also like I I saw an interview of, of hers, I think, years later. And she was talking about how much they would improv and how, like many moments, her and Richard would just play with the scene. Like that one scene where he he gives her jewelry and he snaps the, the box closed and she like, she like yells and like pulls her hand back. That wasn't scripted. That was something that he did to her and she just, and she reacted to it. And, and I feel like they just have a handful of those moments in that film that just make it really fun to watch.
1: I, I think you bring up a great point that with Pretty Women in particular, the story is so driven by the charisma of the leading man and leading woman. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know this, but Hollywood legend has it that Gary Marshall, basically that script was a mess. And Gary Marshall in the editing room was like, how can I save this film? And it was a lot of the charisma of Julia Roberts and Richard Gere and their natural moments and um, their relationship and honesty that made that film what it was. It wasn't supposed to be a romantic comedy. It was supposed to be dark. And he found this light and beauty in it.
0: Wow, I had no idea. I mean, that gives me a whole new respect for it. I mean, in Hollywood, there's, there's like the movie that you write, the movie that you shoot, and the movie that you edit. Mm-hmm. And I think that editors, are not given fair recognition because I've seen movies that were in really bad shape that I've tried to produce and I see the first cut and I'm like oh my gosh like what what are we doing here and then the editor will take it and change it and do something to it and it changes the entire movie having a good editor is so 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 important that's interesting that that happened I had no idea but it is it does it makes sense because it does have dark moments to it it does have dark like when when she talks about her old life and when being back on the like working the street and stuff I mean it's not a it's not a happy Disney movie
1: no I mean you do have a a sex worker as your protagonist and I remember watching that film as a child that didn't really sink in like I knew what it was but it didn't really sink in the reality Mm -hmm. of that lifestyle but I do remember the moment where she won't kiss him on the lips yeah I didn't understand that. And then as an adult, I'm like, oh, it's intimacy. That's too yeah. intimate. They don't want to be yeah. intimate with each other. Do you have any moments like that where you had an experience of a certain moment as a kid and then when you grew up, it was completely different for you or something else was revealed?
0: Oh, man. There was a movie I was watching the other day. I think it was like Shrek or something. And they made a joke about something in Shrek. And I was and I was watching it. And I was like, wait a second. That's really... That's a really immature joke, that's hilarious. But I didn't quite pick that up as a kid like when I first originally watched it. Um, I don't remember, I don't remember what it was, but yeah, it it happens all the time, I think. You'll have these like adult themes. And I think that's, I think more and more, maybe not so much Disney, but I think more and more uh, producers and writers are trying to create content that families can watch together that have things in them that the kids won't understand fully. But that the parents will go, huh, that's clever. Okay, that's funny.
1: Yeah, that four-quadrant programming.
0: Four-quad, four. Listen to you, okay, the four-quad. You know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, you know. Uh, thank you. So do you. You're welcome. With Pretty Woman in particular, I grew up with a certain relationship to rom-com, rom-coms because I was a female. I was watching these female-centric films and I was taking in certain information I'm curious how did you take in what was going on with the men in these films how did that affect you and your lens of love as a young man ah,
0: that's great I mean I I'm a, I'm a huge fan of films that have a balanced storyline and have strong female characters I think for too long Hollywood had a tendency to make potentially really strong female characters sort of damsels in distress and needing to be saved by the the man and I think now, in the last ten years, there's really been a push to create complex, strong female characters that don't really need a man for happiness, especially in the rom-com world. I think that's important. And and growing up, I, I sort of think that there was this idea that like the man had to be strong and couldn't be emotional and, and had to come in and save the day and and everything else. And and I think that that lends negatively to ideas that like men can't be emotional and man men cannot be vulnerable and men have to have all the answers and men can't share their feelings and they have to be strong and everything. And I think that's that's changing for the better in film and in television so that now when we see these things, uh, my second favorite rom-com, because I said it was a tie, yeah. is The, the Proposal. So and, the, and actually, it goes with your question. The, the reason I like The Proposal, first of all, I think that Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock are insanely good actors. I love Ryan Reynolds, his humor, uh, just that sarcastic, like really quick, intelligent humor. Um, and then Sandra Bullock, I think she's one of my favorite female actresses. And in, in that story, she plays this badass titan of industry's boss that doesn't need anything. And he's like the boy toy. And the power struggle is reversed to what we we would see in Pretty Woman. And um, and And then in the end, they both end up really Sort of being vulnerable and really falling for each other in a way that I think is cool and realistic, and and I like that, and I and I really like relating to the Ryan Reynolds character in that as a man being like, okay, uh, there's this powerful, like, badass woman that that is asking me to do things i'm gonna do it okay cool let's see where this goes and so it's the exact opposite of free pretty woman
1: i love the proposal truly my fiance and i just watched mm. that one the other day it's it's one of those that if it's on tv i'll be like mm, i have to watch it yeah yeah i mean even like there's so many great characters in The Proposal too, like mm-hmm. Betty mm-hmm. White, Mary Steenburgen, Craig T. Nelson, and just because I'm a theater dork, like Dennis O'Hare. As mm-hmm. you, there's so many amazing people in that film. Besides the incredible comedic skills of Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, yes, inarguable, what do you think it is about that world in particular that... I feel like the proposal is a favorite for a lot of people. What do you think draws people in minus the lead character's charisma? Is there a truth to the story that's pervasive? Is it the beauty of Alaska? What do you think it is?
0: Who doesn't like romance on like a vacation or, you know, having to go away from home, like having to change, you know, I'm going to go on this trip and I'm going to meet somebody and I'm going to, we're going to have this great story. And so I think that there's an element of that, that escapism and that like, oh, I'm going to go somewhere and forget my life and fall in love with somebody and come back with a great story. But then there's also that like very realistic workplace romance kind of thing. And nowadays, you know, we spend so much time at work and in work environments and hanging out with coworkers and hanging out with this. And, and I think that there's that like element too of like, huh, maybe I could fall in love with my boss. Maybe I could meet somebody at work. Maybe I could do this. And, and, and I think that the proposal does that in a very real way where it shows this this powerful woman that doesn't need anybody. And then and then it just sort of happens like piece by piece. It's not like, you know, far-fetched or it's not like, you know, some of these movies you see and you're like, that would never happen in real life. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that there's there's a truth to it that everybody wants to be the protagonist in their own story. And everybody goes to the movies either to either have that escapism, if it's like science fiction or aliens or whatever, or, they want to see themselves in that story. They want to place their own their own lives in that story and say, "Oh, I'm I can identify with that person in that way, or I can, I wish that would happen to me, or I remember when that happened to me, or whatever." And I think the proposal you have two, well, you, just like you talked about, a handful of hilarious characters, but you have a storyline that I think a lot of people can relate to, or at the very least themselves in to sort of get that thrill and to get that hopeless romantic butterflies in their stomach so that when they when they when they're finished watching the film they feel like they went on that journey with those characters mm. mm-hmm.
1: I do have to ask you kind of a dumb question because you obviously got your start on the real world yeah I'm dying to know how did you feel about Matthew Lillard's portrayal of a real world character and She's All That
0: oh my gosh Yeah, yeah yeah you remember um, that I do remember that. that. That is not where I thought this question was going. Oh, no, um, what did you think? I was gonna say. <laughs> No, 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 I just thought it was gonna be one of those like, what was your experience like and what did you think? But, but you related it to She's All That. Um, <laughs> I think there's an element of, so first of all, when I auditioned for Real World, I had no idea. Uh, I had never watched the show before. I had never, um, I, I followed a friend to an audition in college because he had watched the show, he liked the show, he wanted to get on. And, and I had done theater and like some, some small indie projects in Colorado. And so he was like, Mike, you know about this audition stuff, like come with me, help me get on the show. I said, sure, why not? And then it ended up, the casting director was like, hey, young man, come in here and talk to me. And, and I ended up getting on the show, uh, which I never thought would happen. And, and I feel like with reality TV, I mean, it doesn't create different characters. It, it, it highlights what's already there. It it makes people you you have these people that go on reality TV and they they throw the wine glass and they yell at people. And you have these like these housewives that that yell at each other or the the Kardashians that, you know, that that try to do it for the the viewers and do it for the drama. But then you have other people like Undercover Boss is a reality show. That's one of my favorite shows to watch in the reality genre, because you you see these people that are, are going into like their business that they love so much and getting to know workers And, um, and some some of the disguises are awful. And I'm like, this has to be scripted, because there's no way that somebody believes you're a real human. But anyway, um, (laughs) like, I I just, I don't know, I think that reality TV just exactly like, there is no like, this is how a reality TV person acts. It's like, you are either obnoxious, or you are this person, and then putting a camera in front of you, just accentuates what's already there It brings out what's already there
1: I oh think. interesting okay so then yeah. when you were on the real world and you rewatched it what inner thing about you did you see that they brought out
0: well my season was real world dc and so this was on the heels of obama being elected and the hope campaign and young people being involved in politics which is one of the reasons i think they chose washington dc to to film the show mm-hmm. and nobody else in the house was very politically involved. One of the girls did volunteer for an organization to help communities in Africa. And I thought that was great, but nobody else in the house really did anything political. So, and I was the only one. So I, I, I worked for the human rights campaign and I ended up lobbying members of Congress for like equal rights. And that's what they made my storyline basically because I was the only one in the house that was doing something political. And of course, I, you know, you're locked up in a house with no TV, no radio no cell phone for three and a half months with seven strangers you've never met before in a place you've never lived. So of course you're going to fight. Of course there's going to be drama, of course, you know, and, and like, we're, we're drinking and stuff together in this house and we can only leave when we have like a, like quote unquote approved trips. So it's like, of course, some people are going to drive you crazy. And I, and I fought with people and I, whatever it was, but they, on that show, editing is everything like we talked about. And I think that with that show, they edited me to be, very positive and very like political and very intelligent. They made me look so much smarter than I really am. So that was, that was nice of them.
1: I'm sure that's (laughs) not true. You, the first thing you said was they can only enhance what's already there. So I need to affirm you. All
0: right, touche, touche. Thank you for that. (laughs) Uh,
1: You've stayed politically active. Um, Mm -hmm. You're bisexual and a huge advocate in the community. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how do you think the genre of rom-coms does representing your authentic experience as a bisexual man
0: um that's a good question to be honest i think that the rom-com genre when compared to other movie genres is falling behind in accurately portraying different storylines that are not the you know man versus meets woman woman meets man they fall in love kind of thing i think that um you have a culture that is a little bit behind representing you know, the LGBTQ community. There was a study that came out that like it was like a New York Times study a couple of weeks ago and it said that with with people under the age of 23, one in six identifies as non straight. One in six. That's, that's a stat that even surprised me. And I'm like, oh yeah, everybody just kind of you know sexuality is, is a spectrum and, and everything. And I'm just thinking, So when when one in if six people go to a movie theater and they watch a typical rom com, you know Pretty Woman or The Proposal, one in six of them those people sitting in that theater feels underrepresented or that they can't fully identify with what's going on in the film. And I think that's changing. I think the Hallmark Channel just released its first gay storyline this year, I believe. John Bennett. yeah, we yeah, had Jonathan Bennett, who's a good friend of mine. Um, and and I think that was fantastic. I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, I think that I, I hope to see more of that. But that goes toward, I mean, I, I don't want to say the rom-com genre specifically. I think that representation matters. And, and having people, uh, like we talked about, being able to see themselves in those storylines matters. And we have made huge progress with, like... The, the black community, the Asian community, strong female characters, you know, emotional men breaking toxic ma- masculinity and stereotypes. And I, I think that we've made progress with a lot of these communities. I would hope to see the progress for, for LGBT representation in moving forward with like more of these romantic comedies.
1: Is there an authentic part of coming of age as a bisexual man in terms of love that you are like, why are we not telling this story? This is so beautiful and uh, important.
0: Yeah. I, well, I think, I think like,
1: we're funny, you know?
0: I, yeah. I think that love Simon came out. Um, and my friend Greg Berlanti sort of found that produced that made that release that in the world. I think that with love Simon, that was a, fil- a film that I remember going into the, to a preview and, and seeing and leaving the theater thinking, damn, I wish that I had that movie in high school. Mm. And, and I think that um, I do identify as bisexual and, and I, and I stick to that. So many people are like, oh, that's just, you're just on training wheels on your way to being gay and this and that. And I'm like, no, like sexuality is how, is what you're attracted to. And I know that I'm more attracted to uh, to men than my straight friends. I know I'm more attracted to women than my gay friends. Like, leave me alone. That's how I choose to identify. If it doesn't affect you. Just calm down. And, um, and I think with, with Love, Simon, I think that that was a movie that genuinely showed the struggle of somebody coming out in high school and figuring things out and, and, and gave them the space and the time to do that in a very real way that wasn't as stereotypical as some of the, the films I've seen in the past. And, and now they have Love, Victor on Hulu, mm-hmm. which they're, they're sort of continuing that storyline. And in Love, Victor, they have I mean, they have uh, I think the first couple episodes sort of set up these stereotypes and then the rest of the season, and I think it's season two is what I'm watching right now. Uh, they, they spend time breaking those stereotypes. So it's like, oh, you know, in terms of even like socioeconomic and uh, education and, you know, like the, the Latina family and like everything else, they, they break all those stereotypes and they really explore it. And and I think the main message of that, that movie is like, at the end of the, or that series is like, at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all human and finding the truth in being human and just that love that connect and that emotion that connects all of us. And I think that is what good film does. That is what good TV does. That is what good romantic comedies do, but that's what all good entertainment does. It it conveys that emotion in a very truthful way. And um, I don't know, I hope that we can, we continue to see more of that, uh, like the love Simon kind of stuff. Uh, But, but in terms of, you know, bisexual storylines. E2 Mama Tambien came out uh, a long time ago and that was a fantastic movie. But I mean, those guys were buddies, they were straight. So that doesn't really apply. Um, I think, I, I don't know if I've seen a storyline about specifically a, like, a, like, a, like a rom-com about a bisexual character that I was like, oh damn, they nailed it. That was great.
1: Well, I, I hope you sit down with Greg and create one. That's my hope for you. For you there to There it is. It. You
0: know what? Let's put put that in the universe and let's do it. I'm going to give him a call after this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have a rom-com crush growing up?
0: Oh. um, Like the 10 things I hate about you, Heath Ledger thing. That was real. Oh. Because I feel like everybody sort of had that. You know what? Actually, Ryan Felipe and Sarah Michelle Gellar in Cruel, Cruel Intentions. That wasn't a, a rom-com, but that was one of those like young – angsty emotional movies that I was just like like coming of age kind of stories that I was like oh man I have a crush on both of them at the same time this is I what, what is what is going on here
1: so you're a little attracted to the darkness is what I'm Taking in you know,
0: I, I like I like a little bit of all of it, you know, but but that movie that was one where I was definitely and I and I loved Sarah Michelle Gaylor from when she was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Uh, so I had like a poster of her in my room and everything, and so when I when Cruel Intentions came out, I was like, oh, I want to see this, and I I, I I knew going into it that I was just gonna be I was gonna love what Sarah did, and then I saw Ryan Felipe, who I wasn't really fam- as familiar with at the time, playing her brother, but like this like twisted kind of weird thing, and I was like I was like wow like. This is, this is awesome.
1: (laughs) I love that. And for the record, I think that the darkest people have the capacity for the most light as well. So I think there's a beauty in being attracted to the darkness.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, that's pretty accurate.
1: So Mike, you kind of surprised the world um, in your Emmy speech last year by thanking your husband.
0: That was actually a month ago.
1: That was, oh, this year? I have no concept of time anymore.
0: Because of the pandemic. Yeah, no, this like 2020 doesn't count, but it kind of counts. So it just throws everybody off. I'm Uh, still a jerk, but I'm more
1: excited that you're like, well, are you fresh in the newlywed thing? Or did you just go public?
0: I just went public. So I've been married for a while now. And my husband is very, uh, he's, he's sort of shy. He's not in the industry at all. He hates posting pictures. He hates, which... I, I love, I both love and I hate that because there are some times where I'm like, I want to take him to an event and I want to show him off and I want to be in public and I want to do that thing. But, and he's just not, uh, he has, he's so intelligent. He has so many amazing qualities. Going to events with me and making small talk with strangers is not one of those things. Uh, not one of those <laughs> skill sets. He, he hates it. So I just don't bring him anymore. But then on this, on the flip side, it's like some, sometimes he keeps me grounded because sometimes I'll come home and I'll say, "Oh, I met with this director," or "Oh, I, you know, had this like producer session for this thing," and you know, and and I'll start to like feel sorry for myself and just sort of whine. And he'll say, "Oh, well, you know, you're great, and you'll get the next one. Calm down." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right, cool." You know, whereas if I live with somebody that was more creative, they may be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's like let's pour a glass of wine and let's talk about it." He's just yeah. like. Mike you're great you're fine it'll like the next one just calm down what do you want for dinner and I'm like okay all right <laughs> that sounds yeah. like
1: such a great match
0: it really is
1: oh the tone of your voice really hit me I love that since this is Meat cute are you comfortable sharing your Meat cute story with him
0: yes yes I will okay Yay. um it was I don't even remember how many years ago it was but that's not important we were both I was with somebody and he was with somebody at the time and we, uh, we went to go play paintball. And I had never played paintball. I grew up in Colorado and I'd never played paintball before. Like I'd shot real guns and everything else, but I'd never played paintball. And so I asked my friend, what should I wear? And he said, oh, just wear the thickest clothes you have because it'll block the paintballs from, you know, from hurting you. That's what you wear. And so I, I show up in like my snowboarding clothes <laughs> and it was not, it was, yeah, it was like, like my thick jacket and my thick snowboarding pants and these, these like mountain hike boots and uh, mountain hiking boots. And, and they were like, Mike, it's 92 degrees. You're going to die if you, if you do that, you can't do that. And I said, well, what do I do? And they said, well, Nick is his name. Nick has some extra stuff. And they, they call him. They're like, Hey, Nick. And I look over, honestly, like out of a rom-com we're in this big dirt parking lot. And he jumps out of his Jeep Wrangler in this like camo army shirt. And he was like walking over and I'm like, damn. And the weirdest thing about it is I was, was texting on a phone to try to get directions to the paintball place. And I am not somebody that's like, Oh, butterflies love at first sight. Like before this moment, I was never that person. And I'm texting and I was texting Nick, who was giving us directions to meet them at playing paintball. And we, for some weird reason, I got butterflies when I was texting this person. I'll take it one step further. When we get there, there were two nicks. And so I'm being introduced to everybody because I just met all these people. so it's like, oh, this is so and so, this is so and so. And I remember I met a Nick, and I remember being disappointed because I was like, oh, damn, you're not you're not who I thought I was meeting from the phone because we were it was like we were joking on the phone, getting directions to this like this like paintball place. And so I remember thinking, oh man, you're, I'm disappointed. Like you're not the Nick I thought you, you were, I was excited to meet. That's so strange. Keep in mind, I'm not single. So I'm trying, I'm keeping all of this below the surface. Like Mike, <laughs> you're, you're being unfair right now to the person you're with to just like, stop thinking about this. But I got butterflies and I didn't know why. And then when he came over, they called his name and they're like, Nick. And he comes over and it was exactly who I pictured. I couldn't even look him in the eyes. He couldn't look me in the eyes. And he told me later that he was so shy and so nervous, and he had butterflies too. That, like, and he didn't know. And he's he's more like skeptical than I am. So he he couldn't even look me in the face. And so the whole game, I thought he hated me. And I was like, wow, great! Like this this jerk. He let me borrow his some of his paintball stuff, but I'm never going to talk to him again. He's being a jerk. He's not even talking to me. And then he broke up with his person, and, and I became single. And we became friends, and then uh, we started dating uh, after that. And The rest is history.
1: That's that made me so happy. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so happy for you too. Thank you. I have some audience questions. Are you willing?
0: Great. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay, Rory and Dana Point said Cloud Nine was one of my all-time favorite Disney Channel movies. Were you a fan of those Disney Channel movies growing up? If so, which one was your favorite?
0: Absolutely, I i used to love disney movies uh like the disney channel original movie kind of things and i loved uh johnny tsunami and i loved brink yes so like like the skateboarding or like the rollerblading ones and and whatever and then johnny tsunami where he goes and and like surfs and stuff i that was those two were were two of my favorites team
1: puffinsons yes
0: yes there you go oh my god yeah yeah and and i um the, the, the Cloud Nine was amazing because I'd grown up in Colorado, so I knew how to snowboard. And so I got to, you know, that was one of the biggest projects I did at the time. Um, and, and so I got to, like, live in Utah for a couple months, working with, you know, Luke Benward and Doug Cameron and Kiersey Clemens and, like, becoming friends with this amazing cast. And then I got to snowboard while we were filming on my days off. So that was probably one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Oh. Oh yeah. you
1: oh those are such the great jobs. I love mm. that. I'm so jealous. Okay. <laughs> Angel in West Hollywood said you were an MTV reality star right as the glory days of MTV were kind of coming to an end. What is a story from that time that you love to tell at parties? Um that MTV community is strong.
0: Yeah, it is. Well because we're you know, this is like a meet cute thing. Um, so I go to real world, I'm single on like what when I go to DC I break up with the person I'm dating I came out on the show and then the series was really like me figuring myself out which I genuinely was doing on the show and and that's why I think so many people connected with my character because I was going through some really life-changing stuff and I didn't know any better as to like how I should act on reality tv because i had never watched the show before so it was I think it was it was you know authentic and people noticed that and I like you know hooked up with with these girls on the show and I like hooked up with this guy and I was like j- I was really figuring myself out and then because it was the first time in my life I was allowed to do some of those things and then the person I was dating back in Colorado uh, came out to visit and we got back together and it was this whole like I miss you so much I'm so sorry I broke up with you you know like and it was like, this very emotional very like I, I, I feel like that was the second time in my life that I had fallen, ever fallen in love, mm. and it it happened on national television. <laughs> uh, but it was it was like a really I remember that that's probably one of my favorite moments. There is like genuinely being a young man in love, and and having that captured forever on camera. So I can you know when I'm 100, I can go look back and watch that and and remember how much of a hopeless romantic I was before I was jaded by life.
1: (laughs) You know what though? That's, that sounds like fearless authenticity to me and not only for you to go back and watch when you're a hundred, but what about the 12 or 13 year old that was watching that, that was going through the same Mm -hmm. stuff when you were 12 or 13. I bet you being fearless enough to be authentic was such a gift to them.
0: That's a great point. Yeah. Thank you for saying that.
1: Of course. Well, you've made it to the lightning round, sir. Here we go. All right. Grand romantic gestures or quiet nights in?
0: Uh, both. You need both.
1: Good call. Judd Apatow or Nancy Myers? Judd Apatow. As a kid, Disney or Nickelodeon? Disney. And finally, what is the greatest act of love you've ever witnessed?
0: Oh, um, damn. Uh, my mom was a really young mother when she had me, and uh she was she was 19 when she got pregnant 20 when she had me and I was the first one and I was born three months premature and so everybody thought I was going to die and like that I was on borrowed time and so she would visit me every day in the hospital and and check up on me every single day for months I was in this like incubator for three months and every single day she would go in and how's Mikey doing how's and like and she would have little post-it notes on the incubator. Like, don't give me a bath for the nurses. Like, don't give me a bath. Like, my mom likes to do it. And don't do this. My mom wants to do it. And so every single day, because she thought we were all on borrowed time. And I see pictures. And, and I, I see, I like have read like journal entries and things that she wrote about thinking her kid was going to die. But like praying to God, like, please, God, don't let him die. I promise that I'll be a good mother. And yeah, I'm like getting emotional right now. It's like, like just to, to, to see somebody that I know so well as an adult and had like my mother figure, but to see her as such a young a kid, she was really a kid going through this on my behalf. I'm like, I, like I, there's no greater love than a mother's love. There isn't, there isn't there, there we have romantic love. We have, you know, whatever it is, but like a mother's love for her child. There is no greater love on this planet.
1: Mike Manning. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for today it's been such a pleasure i so so appreciate you
0: no ashley i am really glad that we did this so thank you, for, thank you for having me of course i enjoyed this a lot i didn't know what, really what to expect this is this is this is great we have to like get together and watch a disney movie sometime
1: mike manning i really adore you thank you so much for doing that mike and i talked about the proposal pretty woman love simon and love victor oh i love all of those rom-coms and if you're looking for any more rom-com entertainment make sure to go to meet cute wherever you get your podcasts and check out the latest taking space with our first guest here on what she's having julianne huff oh that name so good and while you're checking out that podcast make sure to come back to what she's having and rate review and subscribe us then go to instagram at meet cute or twitter at listen meet cute and leave us all your questions your own meet cutes and your stories I can't wait to read them. I'm so grateful for you all. I'm Ashley Eskew, and... I'll
0: have what she's having.